You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Oh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McCormick. You hear my voice every single week. Thank you for listening so much. I know that so many of you are dedicated listeners, and I really, really do appreciate it. Um, This is going to be the last couple of episodes of the Optimal Performance Podcast. There's just a few more left here, Um, but fear not because I have already started another podcast. So pause it right now and go to Performance Plus. Find me on iTunes at Performance Plus. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to keep rolling. Uh, I'll spare you the details. It's all good. Um, Things change and move and modify. And uh, I'm excited to do my own. And I don't want to miss a single beat. I don't want to miss a week. I don't want to um, dip. I want to keep doing these because I know that a lot of people really get a ton out of it. So the show goes on. Um, if you have any questions, I'd love to hear from you. Um, email me, Sean at seanmccormick.com. Uh, I'll be setting up the performance plus email and all that stuff soon, but I already have some really great guests booked for performance plus, and, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to make you a huge deal about it other than telling you now, announcing it to you. I'm also going to tell you in the middle of the episode, um, just so that everybody hears it. And uh, I'm really stoked. On today's episode, we are joined by Param Dedia. He's a doctor of integrative medicine, and he also is the a sleep specialist at the Canyon Ranch. And we have a really great conversation. I just start out of the first rattle out of the bag talking about wearables and sleep trackers and... Um, it's interesting to hear his thoughts on it. You know, a guy who's been studying sleep for a very long time. Um, We talk about sleep to reduce inflammation and boost your immunity. I mean, we all need to be thinking about our immunity boosting right now. And if you're listening to this episode, you already do. You already are thinking about how to boost your immunity and be healthy and perform at a really high level. And so this, as you know, sleep is probably among the most important things you can possibly do. Like what you eat, how you move, how much you sleep are the three things. So um, we talk a lot about why sleep is more important than diet. Um, we go through my sort of evening sleep routine in the uh, towards the end of the episode. Um, we talk about how it takes, you know, up to seven to 10 days to recover from a, just like one night of really drastically less sleep you know, if you have three hours of less of sleep than you normally do, it takes you about a week to like recover and um, uh, fully, which I thought was fascinating. I had never heard that before. He, ta- he sort of breaks up the the ideas of, of sort of a typical eight hour sleep session and the first four sort of for the body and the last four sort of for the brain. Um, I really like the way that he speaks. He's very clear. He's very to the point. You could probably speed this episode up to 1.25 or one and a half speeds. And you're going to get a ton out of it. I mean, it's it's all it's really important for us to be able to recover. And my favorite recovery is a float tank. I like sleep too, of course. But um, we should be really focused on how we can recover and keep our stress levels down during this this time that we're in with a global pandemic. It is time to really take full responsibility for our health and for our sleep and 
this will help you. This information will help you think about sleep in a, in a better way and be smarter about it. Um, once again, uh, I'm, I'm so thankful for, for all of you who listen. This is a, a really a joy to do these podcasts and there's not a ton of hoopla and my personal, my personal brand is not, uh, what I want it to be yet, but, uh, there I am being super vulnerable, but I want to grow my personal brand because I have a lot of really great ideas and I really want to share them with people and my coaching clients see massive benefit really quickly. And it's really great to be doubling down on useful information for people. So if you're interested, uh, if you haven't already, go listen to Performance Plus, go subscribe just right away and then just add it to your favorites and we'll subscribe, then you won't need it in your favorites. And then, um, yeah, keep listening because I'm just going to keep rocking and rolling. I have a very, very controversial episode next week or probably even this week uh, uh, about COVID-19 and specifically with a return guest, Del Bigtree, who is the founder and CEO of the Informed Consent Action Network. So uh, really excited to have to have that episode come out because I it takes a really strong, um, bold look at what COVID is going to do to this planet, what can we, what we can expect. And, um, it's a fresh perspective, I think. Um, okay. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Param Didia. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. And we're here with Param Dedia, who is a doctor of integrative medicine and the director of sleep at the Canyon Ranch. Param, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Truly a pleasure. Truly a joy. So I have to ask the question because we're going to be talking about sleep. We're going to be digging deep. Um, how many hours of sleep did you get? Do you wear a sleep tracker? Um, are you fully rested right now? So it's one of those things where sometimes you learn the things you need the most. Um, and I'll be telling you probably as related to this, some of my quirky sleep stuff, but quantity of sleep being the big one. Yes. Seven plus hours is what I need to get. And on the luxury days, I'll do an eight plus um, opportunity as well. Um, yeah. And feeling good, feeling rested today without question. I wasn't on call last night, so it gave me a great opportunity to not have that little uh, ear open for the extra sounds. Yeah. Do you, um, do you, do you wear a sleep tracker? Those are really hip with the biohacking community. You know, it's interesting. I've worn different ones and I'm currently not the rotational one. I always like trying things out because you can imagine, right? Well, given that I love talking about this, people say, Hey, I got this thing. Do you want to look at it? And what I'd love to learn, uh, love to say is I've learned, I want to know as much. And at the same time, tracking devices are a good estimate. They're a good direction of what's going on. But the science, oh gosh, you know, we're going to look back and you're saying, gosh, do you remember when we did the, you know, the, the basic, it's kind of like the computers of the 1970s and the 1980s. I mean, it's great and it's useful and it's helpful. And yet we have to know what it does and what it doesn't. Um, I'm right now about to, uh, I'm right now in the process of debating which next one I'm going to try out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, testing movement or heart rate on your aura ring is fine yeah. 
but but is it really i mean can you really say oh i had five rem full rem cycles last night and people stand by that and it always makes me kind of wonder like how accurate is it right and i love you saying that thank you thank you thank you and right when it's in print when it's in a graphic it's almost all of a sudden a fact we always have to appreciate where did sleep really start from so let me go back sleep is a really young field the american academy of sleep is only 40 plus years of age so this is relatively a new conversation and wasn't really until the year 2000 it really took itself to prime time when it got related to heart health but in terms of sleep the recording of sleep goes back to brain waves. So if we think of it, right, we're using different metrics as we call them, but like heart rate, movement, you know, other ones are now using oxygen and breathing rate. The more variables, meaning the more pieces of data you can pick up, the more that you can put them together. But please know sleep, I'm gonna quote now, the great Dr. Alan Hobson out of Harvard, sleep is of the brain because of the brain for the brain. So brain waves do matter. And right now, there's no device out there that can pick up our brain waves. So everything is an estimate, and they're going to get better. And we should look at them as giving us uh, a direction of like, did you get a little more of this, a little bit more of that? But in day to day, if you look at the data, it's going to drive you bananas. Do no harm is the oath. And sometimes these things can really have people upset with themselves or upset of what's going on. And uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Good old Spider-Man, Uncle Buck. Uh, but it is one of those things where it's great as long as we don't take it too seriously. Yeah, it, it, it's it's tricky for me. I, I tend to not be a big quantification guy. You know, we've 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 interviewed um, biohackers who All are right. who are very quantified, who are you know measuring electromagnetic frequency in their home mm -hmm. and uh, air quality and. Um, and of course, sleep and glucose, resting glucose and heart rate variability. And, and I, and I think it's cool. <laughs> I like it. However, yeah, right on. What something that you've touched on is like, Hey, I feel rested today. I feel, I feel really fresh, but it only, but it's, but my tracker says that I only got, you know, two REM cycles last night. Do you think that there's a, like a negative side effect from the sort of mental, <clears throat> Um, baggage that comes along from sticking too closely to those sort of metrics? I'm going to say yes, and I wish to be a little bit provocative, maybe a little irritating. Never my intention, but it happens. I have some people, a lot of people I look after, you know, they're titans of industry, matriarchs of their family, people incredibly passionate. Here's something, being sleepy or being refreshed may or may not exactly tell us how we slept last night. Because there's also this concept of free will and how some people have a high tolerance for distress. And right, you know, look at some of these professional athletes and they can really push it beyond what a guy like me would be able to do in terms of that physical exertion. So I always want to use it as a conversation. I say, all right, let's take a look at it. Let's ask the question. Let's pay attention to it. So to me, it has value again, but it doesn't have a definition. If I can, I'm going to add something. It was said to me years ago. I was at the School of Public Health during my time in Baltimore. I was at Hopkins. One of the great professors opened up the course, said, ladies and gentlemen, do not let the numbers make a fool of you. Right? Numbers are awesome. We use them as a language. They're a language within science. So we need them. But they don't necessarily define us. No number label diagnosis defines us, but gives us a direction of what we can do. So we can use that same humility, the same kind of lightness of being to understand that, again, we're getting some information but see what it does. It gives people more attention to what they do. 
when people pay more attention to what they do, they tend to eat better, move better. They tend to prioritize their sleep. So I see it as an overall good thing, helpful thing. But again, I'm saying it over and over again as I catch myself. Let's not take it too seriously. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I, 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 I'm so excited to talk to you because there's so many things that I want to share with you. There's questions I want to ask. And I certainly, you know, in the, in the first six minutes, I want to let people know that we are definitely going to talk about sleep recovery mm-hmm. uh, and immunity. I mean, everyone is now focused, rightly so, on how to boost their immunity yes. naturally and to take care of their resiliency, their sort of mental and physical resiliency. So I do want to go there, but before, right. but before we go there, um, I want to I want to hear a little bit about your journey as uh, as a sleep expert, as a sleep specialist, and and what you do at the Canyon Ranch and what the Canyon Ranch is. Exactly. So first and foremost, if you had told me years ago, uh, you know, fifteen years ago. Hey, Parm, you're going to talk to me about sleep. I'm like, and talk about what? It wasn't something that came into my awareness, came into my interest until it kept showing up. So a little bit of background of who I am. So really quickly, internal medicine, right? Adult medicine is what it really means. What's the biggest conversation there? Heart health. I kind of alluded to it earlier. Number one cause of death and dying in the world that you and I live in? Heart disease. And with this conversation around the year 2000, a real important set of studies came out called the Sleep Heart Health Study. Sleep got connected to heart health. Whoa, it was no longer foo-foo, woo-woo, or for the complainers. Sleep went prime time. So being an internist, being a person, therefore, that looks at heart health, I kept reading this stuff about 20-ish years ago. I'm like, really? Really? Come on, it's just sleep. And I'll tell you why many of us blow it off when we're younger. I'll get to that part as well. And then another thing is, is, you know, there's different iterations of me. Years ago, I, and I still spend a lot of time on healthy weight. And I sit before you as a guy who's been 20, 40 pounds heavier than he is now multiple times in my life. And then, you know, in my work, I was like, the way to eat and the way to move. They have and always be the bookends of wellness. But here it is. Just because we know what to do, do we do it? And I wish not to make it awkward to anybody listening in the healthcare field, doctors. John, are we the healthiest guys you've ever met? No, okay, you're, you're being polite. Okay. <laughs> you're just, I mean, the, bluntly, no, right? Just because we know something, it doesn't mean we do it. So one of my big passions is saying not just what to do, but why. So let me get back to sleep. The sleep person, the sleepy person, excuse me. Let's think of it another way. When you have the fever or the flu, what do you feel like doing? Sleeping. Sleep. It's a natural antioxidant, anti-inflammatory. So thus, your insight, your brilliance of saying, this is part of our immune system. This is classic. Here it is. The sleepy person, like the stressed out person, is hungry. What do we crave when we're sleepy or stressed out? Three major things. Sugar, fat, and when do we want it? Now, we know what to do. So people are like, oh, I should just know better. I need more willpower. I'm like, really? This is neurochemistry screaming through you. And you're going to tell me you're going to bully that through with willpower? I'm like, no disrespect, but that's not real. So please give yourself an appreciation. The sleepy person wants to eat foods and potentially not the foods that are so healthy and helpful. One more piece. Every single night we make growth hormone, proteins that repair the body and testosterone. Billion dollar industries. We make them every night. So if we don't get it at night, how do you feel in the morning? Do you want to push, pull, hike, bike? You know, tomorrow, you know, Monday, you know, after that big thing we have to finish, man? Yeah, we'll get to it. 
and none of us intend to put this off. So as a person who works not just as an internist, after about 10 years of my life in academia at Hopkins, I moved over to Canyon Ranch, which is a conversation of healthy living. Founded 40 plus years ago, it was predicated on, not my term, but the term of the people that founded it, the fat camp. As a person who's in the field, I don't use those words, but again, that was the nomenclature of the day. But over time, it evolved into this place that just didn't look at the way to eat and the way to move, but they brought on doctors many, many years ago. So I'm being one of the senior physicians there. And as I came on board there, an amazing mentor of mine was doing the sleep work. He goes, I really need to hand this off to somebody. Would you take this on? I said, yeah, I've been learning about this. He goes, well, okay, take this seriously. And I'll tell you, it's been an amazing journey to help people with the two major conversations, you know, of how to live your best life and how to really put it into your life. And sleep keeps coming up. And it's one of the great things is to demystify it. Why? Because it, key, it changes throughout our lives. How we slept as a baby, as a teenager, how we sleep today, and how we will sleep. And therefore, we need to know the rules of engagement so we can put it in our lives. Yeah, yeah, well said. Well said. You, you mentioned one thing, especially when it, when it uh, pertains to diet. You know, you said uh, what, you, what you eat, how you move, and then obviously sleep to, to make sure that you're recovering and functioning properly. In your TED Talk, you open by saying, all right, which is more important, um, eating or sleeping? Well, let's ask, let's reframe the question. Uh, it, which will kill you faster, not eating yeah. or not sleeping? And the answer is? Yeah, not sleeping, eh? Yeah. Oof. That was sort of a, that was, that was a, that was a, a really impactful moment. I, uh, I, I was impressed by the way that you opened that because yeah, if you, if you, you could go for a week or two or three and there's a, that Scottish guy, the study of the Scottish guy who didn't mm -hmm. eat for like a year and a half. Uh, and lost all this weight, and, and that's a tangent. But um, d elaborate, if you would, on that, on the importance of which will kill you faster and why that's important. Yeah, and let me say, it's a way to open it up and just give us pause, right? I mean, so many great ideas out there. And my intention of saying that is like, look, if that is the case, it's got to do something well for you. And who really exactly is starving themselves other than these individuals that we read about? So I wish never to be exactly black and white, because look, we all can say that we didn't sleep well, but we get some sleep there. But it is just one of those things where, you know, the great Al, uh, uh, Thomas Edison, with all due respect, said, you know, what I wouldn't agree, that sleep is nature's mistake, right? I mean, he wasn't a great sleeper. He was a guy that napped a ton from what I've read. Who knows the real story? Right. But incredibly creative. And what we've come to learn in terms of that is, let me, let me just take it from another direction. You and I are not in the profession of this, but what will we do to break a prisoner? To mentally, emotionally get him to talk? Torture. Yeah, and what's one of the classic ways to do that? Right, sleep deprivation. Yeah, and it's not just not sleeping, but here's the other thing. If you keep waking somebody up, so if I walked into your bedroom, creepy, weird, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I did, and I just kind of nudged you a little bit several times an hour, but didn't classically wake you up. We have something else we say, fragmented sleep makes you feel if you've not slept at all. So I have to be careful here, right? Because I don't want to overwhelm people to think they have to become perfect. But what I'm wishing to say is it's worth the time. It's worth the curiosity. It's worth the opportunity to put it into your life. And the two big ways, just to kind of give people something to hear, two ways I love talking about it. You got to have the quantity and you have to have the quality. You need both of them. And the biggest one, the biggest one out there is quantity. 
what are we living in? We're living in a new world. FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Our daytimes have expanded in the most awesome way. There's more information than any other time than we can ever imagine. So what does that leave? Longer daytimes and thus shorter nighttimes. And I would say that the, the, the low-hanging fruit, as we like to call it, is get the sleep. Prioritize it. It doesn't just happen when you want it to happen. We need rituals in our lives. We need structure. So that's something I wish to just put right out there because, you know, I'm going to be giving a lot of thought here. If I can just give people permission to prioritize it, it does something on every level, the physical, the mental, the emotional. I know it sounds odd, but I'll call it spiritual, how we connect to others and connect to ourselves. And that's the reason every time I look at sleep, I'm like, wow, after X number of years, I'm still fascinating and only more fascinated by it. And I can only imagine as you and I continue these conversations for the years to come, we'll be like, yeah, remember what we said so many years ago and now what we know? So I always want people to first experience it and know, trust it. It's going to be even more amazing every time we come back to this conversation. Yeah, it's it's hard for people, um, and, yeah. and it's yeah. and it's becoming increasingly hard for people to make that choice to mm. turn off the screen, yeah. and begin the evening routine of winding down, um, lowering the lights. You know, we it's, we I guess we've had we've really had three episodes over over the last hundred or so that really focused on sleep. One was Dr. Yeah. Michael Bruce. Right on, great. Um, and and he, yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on on his, um, you know, uh, what are they called, chronotypes? Um, yeah. But we've also had conversations around light exposure and yeah. how how blue and green light keeps you awake. How the LED lights in your home, when they're turned on after the sun goes down, are tricking your brain to think that you're that it's daytime when it's not, which suppresses yeah. melatonin production, which which prolongs your sort of um, sleep drive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when how do you like to think about creating an evening routine around getting prepared for sleep? Love it, so important. Uh, I can't remember exactly where I heard this. I might have been in passing. Mimic nature. What happens outside every night? It gets cool, comfortable, dark, 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 and quieter. doesn't mean quiet as in pin drop quiet. But it basically says mimic it at nighttime. So when the sun starts going down, dim the lights, have less lights, put on those which are the blue blocking glasses. Now, before I go any further, I'm going to say that we hyper-focus on that of light because that's where the early data is, right? You go where the, the early data is. And one of the greatest ways to wake up the brain some people call it the quickest nerve path. It's from the back of the eyes to the wake-up center of the brain. Short nerve path, sunshine, natural light is the quickest way. But the second greatest way to make it happen is what you said, the blue spectrum, the blue-green that we're starting to learn about as you are well-read and uh, knowing that. And so to me, I want people to respect that, absolutely respect it. And also, I don't want to try to make people perfect, but I want to make people aware. And I want people to start seeing that. And it might be a little bit odd when we start doing some of these changes, but it's no question that we have to start doing it. Now, in all due fairness, let's talk about where the data goes with this. Who's more affected by this? Interestingly enough, it's been shown that it is the younger folks, the teenagers that are much more blasted and much more affected. Because what's going on is that coming through is this bluish light 
degrades melatonin. And when you and I were our school days in our teenage years, we made buckets of melatonin. And this was just like right on. And then every decade thereafter, we take a little bit of a dip. So it's being shown that, um, and I want to say this carefully, it's not to say, hey, as you get older, who cares about blue light? I mean, that would not be as helpful. But here it is something else. We're not as able to get to sleep, stay asleep, and wake up feeling refreshed as we get older. So let me ask the question, perhaps you've heard me say that, is, um, who are the best sleepers of all time? What age group? Teenagers. Yes, thank you. Some people say babies. 17 plus hours, eat, eat, poop, sleep, eat, poop, sleep, right? It's not a great lifestyle. You won't get through a podcast very easily, right, if you're doing that for a living. But what we do know is that teenagers, and Sean, why is that so important? Because did we have to think about it when we were teenagers? And in our teens and our 20s, we didn't have to think that much about this. And here it is. I'm a former gerontologist at, this, uh, at Hopkins. Here's something they have there, a Baltimore Longitudinal Study on Aging. At what age did you and I get to our peak muscle, aerobic, bone density, regardless of lifestyle? So that's an important caveat here. Roughly uh, age? Yeah, up to, uh, to, uh, mid, mid-20s. Thank you. Really, right there, 28 to 32. So a la 30. So I always want to tell people, it's like, look, this lifestyle thing, you may have to focus on it. And then somewhere in your third and fourth decade of life, in the middle of your family, in the middle of your career, in the middle of your passions, you got to stop and learn how to put it into your life? That is, I mean, we have enough going on in this world. So that's the reason why like people like you giving this time and space, it's not a luxury in our lives. We gotta make time and space for this. And do know that again, as we get older, we're not as easy to get our sleep. So we have to even be that much more vigilant. So yes, the teenager gets blasted harder with this, but as we get older, we've gotta do everything that we can to be able to help us with the quantity and quality. So what's the, you know, based on the previous conversations that we have, 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 have had on this podcast around sort of habits that you can do to prepare, right, to prepare for quality sleep of sleep. I love the mimic nature um, concept because you're right. It does get colder. So your room should be colder. It does get darker. So whether that's, bl- you know, blackout shades, um, yeah. covering up, uh, covering up, you know, intermittent lights within your room, um, lowering sound. Those are the sorts of habits that we can that we can adopt, and that we must adopt because if if we're if we're not prioritizing and protecting the environment around us, we're gonna we're gonna get hosed by it. Right on. I mean, so well said. Yeah, it's not a luxury. It isn't. Yeah. So, um, one when we talked uh, when we talked yesterday when we were chit chatting a little bit, you talked about the concept of of preparing for the night of sleep during the day, this yeah. sort of the balance of how sleep works and how we should be thinking about it during the day. Can you elaborate that on that a little yeah. bit? Yeah, you know, let me say, and I'm so glad I get a chance to speak about this in any place in time. It's just not written about, and I don't know why. I mean, it's, I'm just that lucky enough guy to be in that former academic and now doing this, what many of us call lifestyle medicine, how you eat, how you move, you know, how do you honor stress and distress in your life? Let me say it simply, and then we can build it out. Daytime sets up nighttime, and then your nighttime sets up the next daytime. But as I say that, it sounds obvious, right? It doesn't sound all highfalutin, and I'm glad it doesn't, because this shouldn't be a hard concept. But here it is. There is a chemistry during the daytime that promotes the nighttime. Let me say it another way for all of us, Sean. 
how you eat, how you move, how you honor yourself on all levels of your health, everything you do during the daytime has an impact on the night of sleep that awaits you. Not that I want us to be overwhelmed by our daytimes, but I want us to respect that we have multiple opportunities. But, you know, let me do something. Let me get a little bit starchy and a little bit scientific because then it's going to help us because I'm going to make this connect. We often talk about how much sleep for adults, right? Let's just focus on adults for right now. Seven to nine hours is what 90-ish percent of people benefit from. There are people who need less. There are people who need more. But the vast majority of people benefit there. So what I want us to do is say, let's call it eight, right? Seven to nine, let's pick the middle number. It's always easier. So let's divide it in half artificially, the first four hours, and then the next four. Make it simple. First half of night, what do we do? Deep sleep. What do we put in there? We put in growth hormone, proteins that repair the body. Here it is. You had a good workout, John. You haven't felt those muscles in a while. You want to finish your workout? Get your sleep. One of the biggest things right now in sports medicine is getting sleep to finish that workout. And that's a performance. Mm. It's a health conversation. It's a health uh, performance and a health conversation. But now, let me just stick to that. So here it is. The more muscle, more aerobic work, the more energy you burn, a funny thing we learned in biology class called ATP, the more of that you break down, the leftover product induces deeper sleep. And one last concept. What goes down most dramatically after a teenage career? Deep sleep. So is movement a luxury? No. Can this get tied? Yes, but wait. If you do it so much that you're in pain, does pain help you sleep? No. <laughs> so let's not get carried away with this concept either. But it is about burning up energy. And the other concept is eat real food. When you eat processed foods, we tend to get energy swings. We want to have a robust amount of energy during the daytime. So let's think of it another way. If you are helping a friend move all weekend, gardening all weekend, you know, whatever, people, what do they say Sunday night? <sighs> I'm going to sleep good tonight. And I want people to appreciate that we got to get back into our bodies. So that's the first half. The second half of the night, the next four hours, REM, rapid eye movement, better known as dreams. It's a story like dreams, not just a fragment in images. Dreams can mean many things. Here's something. I'm not going to talk about the meaning of dreams. I'll leave that for someone else. But as a former academic, what goes on in the brain? An area called the limbic system clears out. It's the negative thoughts. The guy Somebody said something rude to you, but oh, negative thought that just won't go away. What do people tell you? Ah, forget about it. Move on. Cute. I have no idea how to forget that. One of the most important things I want us to know is that we clear negative thoughts at night. Mm. hundred years ago, we talked about IQ. What became the big conversation in the business literature in the 90s? The EQ. Until we are emotionally able to clear, we're not connected. Until we're connected, we cannot connect with others, whether it be loved ones, business, or everything else in between. So right off the bat, now let me finish this. Every single night, I need us to clear out the gobbledygook. We all have hairballs. We have to cough them up. And if we're not careful, they're going to cough up at nighttime. So how many people say, dude, I get to sleep just fine. But in the middle of the night, I get thinking on something. So you paid off your physical exhaustion. You're not as tired. And now what's going to come on? Those negative thoughts. And if they're a bit intense, if they're a bit much, right? Stock market's going down, health of the planet, all those things, right? They're real. But if we don't do something at nighttime, and I want people to not some of the time, every single night we need a ritual, a ritual to let go of the day that we've had, create something that brings us in the present moment, create stillness, so our natural innate ability to sleep. And what have we done in the last year, 10 years, 20 years? We're going faster and faster. 
with more stimulus than ever, we've got to create rituals. Mm-hmm. I know that was a long one. Thank you for letting me go through all of that. No, that's great. I do want to go back to the rituals, um, I, but I've never heard of the concept of the four hours and the four hours. That's that's new to me. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more on the neurochemical process of you know the flushing of the limbic system? How does it work? Yes. <clears throat> Thank you for bringing that up. Brain health, right? Let me say this. As much as I open up with heart health, we say it all the time. Anything that's good for the heart is good for the brain. New cases of Alzheimer's are some people's estimation equal to new cases of cancer. We're all being touched with it, rather, in our family, within our friend circle, and the world and the streets we live on. So what we do know is this is quite amazing. There's two concepts. The fun one that's been said for years, neuroplasticity. And the second one is this lymphatic flush. So the neuroplasticity says our brain can make connections or renew the connections or strengthen the connections. And we've learned learned about that, right? Brush your teeth with the opposite hand, learn a new language, get your sleep is another one. Here's the now getting to what you brilliantly brought up. It's been out there for about five to six years. Last year at the Alzheimer's uh, medical meetings, people are texting me, emailing me and saying, hey, they're talking about it. So what happens? The body has a circulatory system, but we also have something called the lymphatic system, the flush. The built up leftover step all day, we got to flush it up. In the brain, it only happens when we're unconscious, meaning when we're in sleep. And it flushes two major, two major things. Technical, but let's come out and say it because we're going to read about these things. It flushes amyloid and it flushes this thing called tangles. If you take a look at the book of Alzheimer's, so to speak, and you look at what they say, after age 85, curiously, all these folks with Alzheimer's tend to have a buildup of amyloid and a buildup of tangles. Whoa. And so what's one of the things that we can be doing for our brains every single night is getting our sleep. What I love is I don't talk about prevention, right? It might sound odd because prevention says do these 50 things so in five, 20 years, you're better. That's a hard sell. I want to give people benefit today and tomorrow and the decades to come. And that's the cool thing about sleep because you're going to be able to live the best day and you're going to set up, call it your heart, call it your brain, call it your health up for that. But the chemistry of that is no longer controversial. Hmm. So, and there's no way to just try to make work our way around it. And that's the reason now I look back at like, you know, some of these people with amazing IQs said, how dare they get Alzheimer's in their life? I'm like, well, you know, some of us with IQs doesn't mean we live healthy. So one of the things we need to do is not just think we can be smart enough to get ourselves through anything in life. We need to actually take care of, this is the body for the rest of our lives. We got to take care of it from head to toe. Yeah. So the buildup of amyloids and tangles, I've never heard that yeah. term tangles. It's sort of a cute, cute name for a, for a, for a gnarly thing. So like yeah. the, the buildup of that, that's, that's, uh, caused, or at least, um, the buildup because people aren't getting the back half of their eight hours sleep effectively. It's not the lymphatic system. Isn't flushing those through effectively. They build up and then they can lead to cognitive impairment. Yeah, slowing of the brain, slowing of the connections. It basically just makes the circuitry work slower and sluggish and perhaps disrupts the circuitry. Yeah. I just want to interrupt really quickly for two things before we get back into the episode. Number one, if you haven't already, please go subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast to Performance Plus. New episodes are going to be coming really, really quickly. And these are among the last couple of episodes for the Optimal Performance Podcast. 
And uh, so please go do that. Just keep it rocking, gang. If you're already listening, just keep listening because I will keep bringing cool stuff your way. And then number two, a quick reminder on the stop method. We all are stressed out right now. We all have uncertainty and we're anxious and we're trying to do our best. I really believe that. And um, this disruption can make you feel out of control. I know at times it makes me feel out of control. And I have a technique, a neurolinguistic programming technique called the stop method that works really, really well to help you get rid of negative emotions that are like crippling you from making decisions and being your best and really gets rid of them. Go to stopmethod.com. I did a whole episode about it two episodes ago or whatever, 248, and it is it is really effective. And that can lead, if you have more questions, into a free coaching strategy session with me. It's 30 minutes. Um, it's an offer to you. I want to be able to help, and I want to be able to help as many people as I can while, while things are so stressful. So hit me up, take, take advantage of the offer, and go to stopmethod.com. Back to the show. Well, let's let's transition. I don't want to I don't want to uh, put off the uh, the immune conversation any any longer. I, I really want to tell you about what I do at night to, to optimize my sleep, but I've gotten trouble from that before by by listeners like yeah, Sean just makes it about himself every time. Uh, so, oh no, we want to personalize it because when we tell our story, other people can tell their story. We yeah. all have to tell our story. Yeah, so we we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about my my evening routine and what I, and what I like to do to get ready for sleep. But I I do want to drill down a little bit on the importance of immunity. Um, what is the connection? And please take the mic and run with it. Um, what is the connection between sleep sleep quality and and boosting our immune system? Yeah, the chemistry is there. It's going to sound like alphabet soup, and, I'll, and I won't. Uh, minimize it because people will hear these things over time. But let me again phrase it the, uh, another way. I think of the back in the day where we're cramming for exams, right? right? You got finals week, pushing it, but hey man, Friday, Saturday night, man, we're going to go party, right? So let's just really work hard. Not uncommon. What happens to that college student Friday or Saturday night? Can they go party? They're coughing. They got the sniffles. They're run down. So it's one of those things that we've seen this out there, even in quote unquote, the best sleepers of all time, teenagers. So it, to me, it helps highlight the fact that, yeah, we can push the body, but we can't do it indefinitely. Some really intriguing stuff that I've looked at over a number of years, because this gets into the concept of inflammation. Inflammation is when your immune system tips over and it's gone. Now, inflammation is an early stage, something really healthy and healing. But we give inflammation a negative concept because by the time it usually shows up, it's overboard in our body. Now it's our immune system not trying to clear something out, but it's fighting us, injuring us, and also the autoimmune concept when it comes to that. So this immune health, some things that have intrigued me. So say we get a flu shot. You know who gets the best response? Somebody who slept well that night. Hmm. So to me, it's like, wow, what a great thing now. Like, and I'm asking people to get their flu shot. And I'm saying, I'm not asking you to get perfect sleep. Because then you may never get the flu vaccine ever because you're waiting for that amazing lineup of the stars. But that's something really intriguing. So now let me flip it back to being an internal medicine guy. Heart health. One of the big things we've learned about, and boy, this is a topic that I can run away on, but I'm going to keep it tight here, is if you ask me back in med school, what's the most important factor in heart health and heart attack risk, stroke risk? I would have said, hands down, cholesterol. I would have said 99% of people just, just it is, isn't it amazing, right? They tell us in med school, ladies and gentlemen, 50% of what you're going to learn will no longer be true. 
Yeah. Problem is you don't know what part of it is. So you got to learn it all. Good right. luck. Right. So it's a bit now. Do I blow off cholesterol? No, I don't blow it off. It's an important factor. But what we've learned is it's the conversation of cholesterol, conversation of blood sugar, which by the way, poor sleep, sugar becomes less likely to be regulated. Pre-diabetes and diabetes definitely has an impact from poor sleep. But here's the big one, inflammation. So, so much of this inflammation data in an awesome way is related to heart health. And therefore we can really, in my opinion, give ourselves a bit of poetic license, not a stretch, but talk about what we've learned. So here are some amazing conversations related to that. Alphabet soup time. Something like C-reactor protein called CRP. That's a dirty marker, but it tells you somewhere in your body, your immune system is working harder. It doesn't tell you exactly where. Things like IL-6, IL-18, and again, it's alphabet soup. It's for interleukin. If you want to read about it, trust me, it's going to be a bit overwhelming. It overwhelms me every time I go back to those uh, chapters and those articles. But those are just simple things that when we know that somebody isn't sleeping well, those numbers skyrocket. Hmm. And those numbers are closely tied with cardiovascular illness and less recovery from there. And then what happens when somebody sleeps well? Those numbers come amazingly down. So we have seen through the science of it, through these ways of these markers, that things get quote unquote quite hot, inflamed in your body, immune system is tipped over. And you don't want that. At nighttime, you don't want an active immune system in the sense that you want to recover, you want to repair, you want to get ready for the next day that you're up against. So if you don't get this time to repair at night because you don't get enough quantity or quality of sleep, now you're waking up, not being able to be not only your external best, but your internal best. I mean, classically, we do know that one of the greatest things that grandma told us, right? Eat your veggies, go out and play and get your sleep. And the cool thing about this, John, is that this traditional wisdom is now meeting modern science. So we are now having to task ourselves to make time and space in our life. But when we can make more time and space for these things, it happens much better. So right during a, a time in our world where we're asking ourselves, you know, can we defend ourselves with modern medicine? Isn't it amazing that our go-to right now has to be living your best life because that's the best way to take care of your immune system. The way you eat, the way you move. And I'm going to be audacious. I'm going to say, as, those much, as much as those are important, sleep. I will say without question, going back to what you said earlier, in terms of morbidity, mortality, what will kill you quicker? Not sleeping. Eat well, move well. Please don't take away from anybody that's listening in to say, oh, those are not important. Those absolutely are but let's put sleep on it. Because when you also sleep, here's the other thing that I haven't talked about yet. You tend to make better decisions. We all make mistakes to err as human. But some of the biggest tragedies were decisions made in the middle of the night. Exxon Valdez oil spill, Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, were decisions between two and four in the morning. So in the middle of the night, when you think you can take on this conversation and bully your way through it, and yes, we've done it. That's not to say we can't do it here and there, but it gives people, again, this sacred time. Hey, this is your sleep time. Write it down on a notepad. In the morning, you're going to be much better. Okay, I'm a doctor. How many mistakes is it okay for me to make every day? Less, right? less than me. Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, optimally, zero is the answer. And you know, that's humility in it. So all of us have something that's important. It's not only a doctor doing things important. Everybody is doing something so important out there. And therefore... If we can hear about the way to eat, the way to move, get your sleep, we need to be able to be in the present moment. 
And the best way to be in the present moment is to be honoring your sleep. Let me add this one. This one blew me away. One of my good friends at Mass General was saying, hey, you know, at Harvard, they brought all these Tibetan monks uh, to give these talks. And I said, really? I go, wow. And he goes, one person said, what's something we can do to be more mindful, to be able to meditate better, to help your mind? Without flinching, the monk, the yogi said, sleep. Hmm. And just paused. Didn't say anything else. He goes, get your sleep. It really, to me, is like, wow, I almost needed permission myself to say, wow. You know, somebody who's studied something very different than what I've studied and the way I look at the world is really saying that. Where our mind goes, we go. Give yourself the ability to, therefore, access your IQ and bring it in the present moment. Because we tend to be very negative when we don't sleep. Right. Going back to that emotional health. When we're negative, what do we tend to do? I'm turning this into a mindfulness talk yeah. unintentionally. We tend to live in the past, but we live in the future. Shoulda, coulda, what if, what if. Where do we make our best decisions? In the present moment. And until we're rested, it's harder to be present. We tend to be negative. A great writer, Rick Hansen, out of Northern California. Yeah, I love it what he said. We have Velcro for the negative. We have Teflon for, uh, uh, for the positive. Think of that. If there is a tiger to your right and a field of bunny rabbits to your other side, you're going to be looking one way because we are wired to look at the uh-oh, the rut row, be safe. So we tend to be quite negative. And one of the greatest things we can do is help ourselves to be more present. But sleep is a part of that. Mm. It is such an amazing conversation. And, and as much as all of us, you know, can stretch it a little bit. And, and you're truly, I'm in it, right? I mean, I'm in a, in a world where I'm not in a bubble. And then when I get a good night's rest, like after perhaps a couple nights of on being on call, I'm like, wow. I'm so much more effective. I'm so much easier to be around. I'm just so much more able to connect to the world that I want to connect to. Yeah. Yeah, you've, you've hit it from a couple of angles and, and not surprisingly, um, it's not just um, reducing inflammation. It's not just um, uh, flushing the lymph. It's not just those those sorts of uh, physiological explanations it's also again thinking about all of the stress that ever, ever everybody at the time yeah. that this this that we're talking at the time that yeah. this is going to be released everybody is under such stress and uncertainty and anxiety around the covid-19 virus that it's not just because you need to because you need to physiologically take care of your body and your brain but maybe even more is the fact that you can make better, more balanced decisions for yourself, for your family. You can feel more yeah. centered. You can feel more focused during the day. That's that sort of, yeah, that mindful that mindful element of sleep just helping you become more present and make better choices. That's I think that's profound. I think it's really important. And, it's, and sometimes we don't know that we are slipped a little bit. Right? I mean, it happens subtly. I mean, teenagers are the rock stars of sleep. And what happens over a period of time? Our sleep. Well, again, if we're not boosting up our daytime to elevate that of our sleep at night, it happens subtly. So here's the humility of it. Many of us don't know, perhaps, that we could feel much better. One of the most amazing things is when I have somebody that comes in and works on their sleep, and we figure out what is the area we want to focus on, they come back. And they're able to connect to their life in a much more meaningful way. Sometimes they don't notice it, though. Like, for example, I, I'll, there's a hand, handful of people I've worked with. I say, hey, so tell me, 
We've been doing this for six months. What do you think? And let me tell you, in this case, a person that came in with their beloved, their spouse. So no, I don't know. I think I'm doing fine. The spouse looks and says, just fine. You're not sleeping at the movies anymore. You know, you want to go out with our friends much more. When you're on stage and speaking, you've given the best talks I've ever heard you give. Mm. And he looks at me and he goes, I think I'm doing better then. Yeah. Right. And sometimes we don't know it because these things subtly come on. So if we, I don't know, it's really popular right now, like seven day challenges, 30 day challenges. But if people just gave themselves permission saying, okay, let me just do it for a period of time. Let me just see. Don't take it from me. Right. Take it from your own experience. Right. We don't need another guru in this world. We need to have our own experiences and let that be our teacher. And yeah. if we can, whoever is listening here is saying, okay, let's set, give yourself whatever number of days you can commit to. Right. Give yourself permission. But don't think one or two nights is going to give it to you. When I said this long ago to Stanford University, one of the great epic centers, epicenters of sleep, the famous Dr. Dement, considered the godfather of sleep, amazing human being. He was doing sleep before it was cool. And I said, hey, Dr. Dement, and after a weekend, I don't necessarily feel amazing. I said, sometimes I do. And he's like, you haven't read my textbook, have you? And at that point, I had. And I was like, oh, okay. He says, look, seven to ten days, then come back and talk to me. Oh. All right? And I was like, All right, for the godfather himself, if I can call out that. So and I'll tell you, I said that to so many people. Because, you know, somebody listening and watching right now is saying, well, I gave it a weekend. I, was, I guess I give it some time. Our body needs to entrain. It needs to get into a rhythm. I'm not saying only seven, 10 days, but start there if it's not something you can do a 30 day challenge on. Yeah. Well now, now again, like now is the perfect time to prioritize sleep more, more so than ever. Everyone is at home. Not everyone is at home. There are lots and lots of people that are still showing up to work that are still going into the office. And there are, there are a lot of people that are working remotely, working from home, Mm -hmm. but, but now perhaps more than ever in the last couple of generations, and I'm speaking broadly on purpose, more so now in this chunk of time where, where the entire planet is asking questions about their own safety, around their own health, where the world, even though news has sped up, the world has literally sort of slowed down, gone home, been with their families, now is the perfect time of your life to really prioritize sleep. And, it, and like, like the good doctor just said, it's not just two days. It's not three days. It's seven to ten days of, of letting, your, letting your system create a new habit, acclimate for a longer period of time. Because there, the myth of catching up on sleep, it's not, it's not real, right? I mean – I mean, if I, if I had a long week and I was working on a project, which I do from time to time, and I, you know, maybe I got five or six for four or five nights in a row, I can't make that up on the weekend, can I? Let's talk about that. Thank you so much about the recovery, not losing that topic. So let's talk about it in two different ways. Say it's one night that you have to push it harder, longer. So what we do find, like one night of poor sleep, you don't like say you got three hours less than you normally do, right? Let's just use an ar- arbitrary number. You can insert uh, whatever number is the correct one. The next night, you don't need necessarily three more hours because after one night of poor sleep, you will do more deep sleep and more dream sleep, and you'll do great recovery. Now, the next three nights, you'll finish the recovery, but that first night, you're going to do the lion's share. But, but 
Wait, it's one night of work. Can you can you can you say that again? Can you repeat that? That was interesting. Say what yeah, you said. So you, and let me frame it a little better. So if you have one night of poor sleep, you've been sleeping pretty well, and then you have one night of poor sleep, then and say you got say three hours less on that night of poor sleep onto DUI. The next night you don't necessarily need three more hours, but you're going to get more deep and more dreams. You're going to do more recovery sleep. So we often some of us in the field call deep sleep and dream sleep recovery. The physical, mental, emotional, right? The stuff we all want, which is a big part of our immune system. So that first night, you're going to do the majority of the recovery, majority of it. You might sleep a little bit longer, but you don't necessarily need three hours of additional sleep time. But as you then, over the next three nights, you're going to finish the recovery. But that lion's share, the vast majority, some people can say, oh, you recovered in one night. Truth is, the data show that it's about three hours, three days, excuse me. Now, say it's not just one night of poor sleep. And I wish... I had the reference to this one because it really bugs me. I heard this at a meeting and I tend to follow it. So think of men and women serving our country, right? Think of the schedules they keep. I mean, I'm, I mean, to say grateful is an understatement, but I'm also kind of concerned because we want them to be healthy for themselves and also make the best decisions. So they did this intriguing study. They took these individuals, I believe, and I'm going by memory. So please folks, give me some uh, poetic license here. From age, say, 18 to, say, 49, these men and women were given seven days to sleep as much as they wanted. They were given basically a really boring life, a cubicle, a bathroom, food, but sleep as much as you want, just no other duties. They all slept at least eight-ish hours. Now, that's the bedrock. They slept an additional 25 hours over those seven days. So how many times can you say, hey, you know what? We're not going to go on holiday. We're just going to sleep an extra 25 hours this week. Right? It's a little bit odd, but it just gives me an appreciation that these are robust men and women that they even need to do the recovery. And I can't thank you enough. I don't know. Without you, I might have missed it. But during this time, let's liberalize it. Let's liberalize that opportunity. But now knowing, got to get out there and move. Get into nature. We, we could spend an hour talking about being in nature and what that does, right? The forest bathing that we've read about is costs and stuff. It is so amazing. And even here's something else. When you're in nature, you tend to sleep better. So just something else that I want to put out there. Not great data, but enough there that I'm willing to come out and say it out loud. But also start creating those rituals. Now, here's something I want to say. Soothe. Soothing is a lifelong skill. We teach children, one of the best things you can do to teach a child is to learn them how to soothe their emotions. Because again, it's that EQ, that emotional quotient. When you are emotionally grounded, then you can be connected to you and thus to others. So I have people say, you know, I'll do some of these relaxation things on those tough nights. You got to do it every night because neuroplasticity, we got to create that pathway. If we don't create that pathway, what do we tend to do? Be very negative, tend to therefore really have a hard time. It's like, I'm going to move to, say, Seattle. I'm going to say, hey, can you give me a hand? But I have a really heavy piano here. I'm going to need your help. If we train for it, but I will say, oh, but John, I don't know when I'm going to have to call you, right? The days are moving around. It could be next week and Lima. We, we don't know when these big boulders, when these big events are going to be in our life. So what I beg people to do is do it every night. Why? Because you're going to create that pathway. What pathway is there? That negative one. That's the one that we easily go to. That's that default mode that some people can talk to, right? We get tend to be scattered. The people in the sleep psychology world call this a sleep buffer, a buffer zone. 
you got to create separation from the day you just lived so you can taper into the night that you want to be a part of. Yeah. That takes some time. And I want people to use their five senses. And I work at a place that has a beautiful spa connected to it. I said, hey, five senses make you human. When should you be human? Weird. All the time. We, we want to feel good. I'm not talking about pleasure. I'm talking about joy. I mean, this joy is really putting it into our lives and do something that gives us a ripple effect. Pleasure is sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, and that's nothing right or wrong. But healthy living is tend to be connected to joy and creating that flow. So here's one of my favorites, right? Because some of the people listening, it's like, how can I start putting this into my life? Every single night, a certain hour, digital detox. Easy to say, very easy to say. And if you have to, wear the blue blocking glasses. Do the best you can. I never want people to be a victim to try to be perfect. That's, that's the easiest way to make somebody feel terrible. And what I want somebody to do is think of a warm shower bath, if that resonates. Dim the lights, put on some candles, some music that's soothing. Mm, some of those smells are like, oh, finally. Put on that robe, oh, that pajama top, you're like, all right, finally. Make it about you. We tend to be caregivers. We give all day to everyone in our lives. Self-care is not selfish. And I want people to really do that and to learn that. And then here's a couple of things I want to say. One of my favorite things is have people breathe. People can use different relaxation techniques. I love breathing because it can be anywhere on the planet at any point in time. I'm not purposely, I'm not going to say how to breathe, but I'm going to say focus on your breathing. Mm -hmm. Fully focus. And guess what's going to happen to everybody? Your mind will drift. Curl up a smile. People I know meditating for 30 years, their mind drifts. The biggest lie I've ever been told is practice makes perfect. No. Practice makes practice. That's all it is. We have no idea who cut us off in traffic, who said something rude to us. When do we stub our toe or what comes up in the middle of the night? So I want people to learn how to be present, how to be anchored, because then we can get in that stillness. And with stillness, we can get better to sleep. Stillness, not just of the body, but of the mind. Let me throw in one little pearl here. A sleep cycle, this combination of light sleep, deep sleep, dream sleep, is roughly 90 minutes. Every 90 minutes, it's natural to have a brief what we call arousal. I know it sounds sexual. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying here is, you know, that rollover. Mm, open your eyes. Children do this all the time. Just look at kiddos. They'll roll over 90, every 90 minutes. Do they wake up saying, uh, mom, dad, to woke up five times, not getting my deep sleep, not getting my emotional clearing. Can we call Uncle Farm? Figure this. <laughs> Thankfully, right? We're not having that. But what I want people to know is, if you think about sleep and if you get freaked out about your sleep, it doesn't help you sleep. Right. So every 90-ish minutes, when it happens, curl up a smile. I'm human. It happens to everyone else. I'll tell you about a cool study. They took half people in one study said, you got to get your sleep. Sleep all night. Okay, guys over here on the other side of the room, you got to stay up all night. What happened? The opposite. The people told to sleep all night had a hard time sleeping. Ah. People told to stay up all night had a hard time staying up. They wanted to sleep. So it's this, isn't it hysterical as we're still trying to learn the mind? But that's the reason the clock watchers, the people that are worried and upset about it, practice this ability to ground yourself. Yeah. So many ways to do it. I like to give simple ones. Um, To-do list at a certain hour, wind it down, the digital detox. Yeah. Use your five senses, soothe, use your breathing. This is just the beginning. I'm not trying to say this is the only way to do it. I have some people that will tell me, hey, I'm reading in bed. And I'm sleeping great. I'm like, okay, go for it, right? I mean, and I, I, so if somebody is listening in and watching right now and they're sleeping well, I'm just saying, hey, just be aware of these things as your sleep becomes perhaps a little bumpy later in life. 
but I don't want to make people think that there's only one way to be healthy. That's, that's really rude. And that sets people up for fear. Yeah. And that's what we're about. We're here about making people live their best lives. I love the five senses idea. Um, that that's really cool to think about what you can, what you can wear, what you can, what you can taste, what you can touch, what you can listen to using the five senses to sort of prime. Cause we are conditionable. We are, we, we, is that a word even? Jeez whiz. We are conditionable uh, to, to know, okay, like when I put my bathrobe on an hour before it's bedtime, I, you know, PJs and bathrobe that it signals to my body and my brain that, okay, it's time to wind down. Well, here, let me, let me share, let me share some of the things that I do. I'm a little weird. I'm weird. I'm a weird guy. You probably know that already, but um, some of, some of the things that that I do are maybe a little counterintuitive, but um, so in the evening time, my kids go to bed at seven 30 every night. And then after that, I usually spend, um, so let me, let me back up even further. Um, I live in Seattle, so, um, it's, it, it gets dark. We, mm. it gets dark earlier. Um, so as soon as it gets dark, I put on my blue blocking glasses and I have a, I have a couple of pairs here for people that are watching. Um, right. there's, I wear my blue blocking glasses as soon as the sun goes down. And then, uh, as a general rule, I eat dinner pretty early. So usually we're done with dinner by about six o'clock. Um, mm-hmm. I heard somewhere, uh, these sort of rule of thumb tips, um, you know, stop eating three hours before, uh, before you before you want to go to sleep, um, stop screens two hours before going to sleep and stop drinking water one hour before going to sleep, but blue blocking glasses on. Um, around the house, kids go to bed after, after that, I do look at my phone. That's a moment for me to like sort of check out a little bit. And I look at whatever I look at on my phone for a little bit. And then I kind of clean up the house and kind of get things, get things going. I put my sweatpants on, um, you know, get, get, get ready that way. And then I, I exercise at night just because that's when I can fit it in. So I tend to do, I tend to do my exercise after the kids go to bed and then um, I, I like to have a little bit of chocolate. I'm just, you know, I'm just a sucker for chocolate. So I have like two bites of chocolate, um, a workout. And then I do, um, uh, an infrared sauna, uh, about five nights a week. I'll do an infrared sauna right after my workout. And then I'll go upstairs and I'll take, uh, an ice cold shower for, for me. I love the way that it makes my body feel it drops mm. my temperature. Uh, it sucks. It's hard. It's not any fun, but in in the moment I hate it. But then afterward I feel really calm. I feel really present. I go back downstairs. I take my, uh, my amino acids cause I'm, I'm trying to, you know, put on muscles. Um, I take my amino acids. I sit, um, and meditate for, you know, between five and 10 minutes. And by the time the five or 10 minutes of my meditation, uh, concludes I'm ready to go to sleep. Like I, I, I now have this system. Sometimes I'll use like a sleep induction mat, which is like those little, uh, there's like spikes on a mat that you lay on. That's, that's like, um, supposed to, uh, supposed to induce like a little bit of like, Oh God, this sucks. And then when you get off it, it, um, it prepares you for sleep. But I'm telling you, I've been doing that now for a couple of years and I, and as soon as I put my head down on, on the pillow, like I, I'm not awake 
I, I, I don't, it takes me about four minutes to get to sleep. And my wife would attest to this. And then I don't wake up all night. Um, cause I f- don't drink water and I don't wake up to go to the bathroom and I, and I sleep from 10 30 till 6 AM straight uh-huh. through every single night. And I wake up and then I have the energy to be, to be present and, and do my thing. What, 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 what do you, th- what do you think about <laughs> Tell me I'm cool. You know, I'm just smiling because we've become fast friends. It's like, I'm smiling because of the wisdom you've tapped into. Now, the only thing I'm not able to comment on which I'd love to learn at another time from you is the induction map. I've read about it. I haven't experienced it. Not a lot out there for me to know because it just hasn't hit the readings that I've come through, but everything else, let me tap into quote unquote, the science of it and therefore the validation of it. So let me say in a bigger and umbrella way, bravo. I mean, uh, you're doing so many of those things. So I'm hearing in something very sacred, very special family time, right? I mean, that there is a certain way of connecting and, how important that is. And it sounds like you naturally do, but you kind of, you know, get ready for the next day. You're kind of putting one day to closure. You're, I call it the day to dump, like just get out the thoughts, kind of get ready. Some people will do their to-do list. Some people lay out their clothes for the next day, all these things. So that way these little irritations are less and whatever we can do to make it less is so important. Let me tap into the exercise. And it, it, this is really, really interesting. <laughs> um, it's about, there's different theories, right? The best we have right now is theories, but this really does fall in. And I'm going to use exercise and a warm shower and therefore understand your sauna as kind of the placeholder of the warm shower. And you'll see in a moment where I'm going with this. What I want you to hear is that some people do not do well when they exercise before bedtime. Now, what is it about? Here's the concept, because everything I say will fall into it. It's about cooling the core the core, uh, the upper chest, the abdomen, the core area. So one of the things is, is that there has to be enough cool down time of the core and the cooling of the core is what's thought to give us the reflex for deeper sleep. So if someone exercises, now the data shows, and again, these are big studies, but individuals are individuals, that somebody does vigorous exercise an hour before bed. Like they, and what is vigorous exercise? That you get to a point where you really can't have a conversation with someone. Four to five breaths, you're, you're, you're dragging some, you know, four to five words, excuse me, you're dragging a big breath, right? That's like pushing it really hard, like an 85% intensity of your, your near maximal heart rate. So high intensity, vigorous exercise late an hour before bed, overall in the literature and this beautiful uh, constellation of studies showed it not to be the best thing. However, People who are conditioned can cool down quicker. Mm. And as you have been practicing this, practicing conditioning being what my mind similar to one another, you can cool down better than somebody who's just getting back to it. So the people listening and watching, I want them to hear, hey, just there's no shame or blame, but if you're not well conditioned at this time, give yourself a longer cool down. So the other thing is, again, when you come out of that warm shower bath, the cool air hits your core and gives you the reflex for deeper sleep. Mm. So now let's tap into Sean's experience. You come out of the infrared into the cold, right? You're, you're doing this in your way. So I'm like, huh, right? That's right on. And that will also allow you to be able to tap into that as well. Um, and I don't want people to feel that just because you don't wake up during the night that it's not abnormal for them to have a brief awakening. I have a sense that with your training, your mindfulness, you're just not letting it get to your awareness yeah. so that it's breaking your sleep. You're, you are... I would say likely to still have a turnover here and there, sure. but you're just not 
aware of it. And that's, that's actually what everybody wants. Mm -hmm. But those people who are aware of it, be patient with yourself. It will ease up over time um, in a real meaningful, a real helpful way. So bravo to that. Um, you know, I always have thoughts. Can I tell you the two famous things that I see bully people with their sleep? Yeah. Their fluids. What I mean by this, their choice of fluids. By this, what do I mean? Alcohol and caffeine. So let's just go ahead. And now I'm going to tell you what I'm saying now. I'm certain that it's going to change as we're doing genomics, as we're learning about how everybody processes different chemistries. So I'm using a more general discussion. So I guarantee somebody that's watching and listening saying, no, 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 I'm different. And I wouldn't doubt that. But I'm, gonna, I'm speaking to the masses here. For every string of, of coffee, it takes about seven, eight hours to reduce your caffeine by 50%. So a 7 a.m. cup of java, or an 8 a.m. cup of java, let's do that. 8 a.m. cup of java at 3 p.m. is a quarter cup. And at 10 p.m., excuse me, I'm doing the math wrong. I'll do it one more time. So a, a, an 8 a.m. cup of coffee, seven hours later, is going to be a half cup at 3 p.m. And at 10 p.m., it's going to be a quarter cup. Now, a quarter cup might not be a big deal. But what happened if you had that afternoon pick me up? What happened if you're having something later? Even if you can take that espresso before bedtime and say, ah, I'm fine. Caffeine blocks the chemical that puts you in deeper sleep, that which does the physical repair of the body. Mm. So we definitely want to give people, hey, enjoy your tea and your coffee. Great antioxidants, as long as your heart and your body doesn't get all shaky. But keep them in the morning-ish hours if you need to finish it up by lunchtime. Mm -hmm. The one that I lose friends all the time, beer, wine, spirits. <laughs> it's amazing. I haven't invited too many dinner parties anymore. <laughs> a bit of a killjoy. Um, for every one drink, it takes about two hours to wash through your body. And this was you know, some of the information that came out of Duke University years ago. So here it is. What's one serving of alcohol? 12 ounces of a beer. One and a half ounce of spirits. Does everybody measure their shot? No. Or is it kind of the eyeball pour? And then five ounces of wine. And how many ounces in a bottle? 26. So five servings and a bottle of wine. So every one drink, the first hour you're more relaxed, but so is your airway. You ever notice your bed partner oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. snores a little more? Oh, yeah. Right? Nobody wants to know that. And the second hour, the brain's more fidgety. You got to multiply this by the number of drinks. So if you have two beers, two hours of being more relaxed by two hours of more fidgety. And after a while, the joke that some people will say is like, what, I drink in the morning? Well, yeah, that's not exactly what I want people to do. But I want people not to have a nightcap. And I know it's famous around the world. What people try to do to get their best sleep try meaning not effective as they take the nightcap and then for the first week they may be more relaxed when they're telling themselves hmm. teenagers people in their 20s have enough sleep chemistry that they can drink but i'm gonna tell us all of us as we get older you gotta create that separation and even the younger folks get your best sleep don't think that just because you're young that and you feel great you can bullish through this there's yeah. depending on the person beer wine and spirits can be a real beautiful ritual and it can be a part of one's health but please let go of the nightcap. Yeah, because because right, it's it can be it can be a sedative. It's not actually helping you get better sleep. It's relaxing, right? It's a vasodilator, yeah. but it's but it's not like yeah. Well, and I, and the whole like loosening your esophagus. Yeah, if I'm if I come back from a soccer game, you know, going and watching a soccer game, having a couple beers with the buddies, come back like I. Uh, I, I hear about it the next morning from my wife. Like, dude, you were snoring so bad. I had to push you like twice, three times. And of course I don't wake up. She just like pushes me and I just roll over and, and get it back onto my side and stop. Um, but wow. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, back to the, back to the, the routine that I have, like, I think, I think it's the strength and consistency of my routine that yeah. may be working in my favor, you know, even though I'm, I'm doing high intensity training, um, I'm doing short duration intensity training, um, um, late at night, but I'm also going right into a sauna and then right into a cold shower right after that. And that cold shower does obviously bring my core temperature down. And for me, it just, I just, it's the consistency that I've been doing this so many times is the thing. It's like, Oh, okay, brain. Okay, body. I guess it is time to sleep. And, and that's, and that's what works for me. Um, um, I'd love to hear a little bit uh, your thoughts before we before we take this puppy home, and I ask you the fill in the blank question, which will catch you off guard on purpose. Um, All right. <laughs> um, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about um, like sleeping pills. Uh, okay. So many people are taking prescription sleeping <laughs> pills. Um, yes. Uh, many many high performing people yeah. who live who live high intensity lives that that you know work hard play hard rely on sleeping pills or sleeping medications to um, to help them can you tell me your thoughts on on that i know that's like that could be a whole other episode such an important conversation thank you thank you thank you so i wanted to come out and say and you know that it's not awkward have i prescribed them yes have i prescribed them recently yes let me say it one way to kind of frame it i will tell people really classically look you're not ambient deficient, right? So look, let's make it really clear that this isn't something that has to be forever. My way of explaining it as I see sleeping pills when necessary, when necessary as a bridge, but not the island mm. that I want you to live on. Mm. Very rarely do I need somebody on a sleeping pill long-term. If they've had brain surgery, if they had brain trauma, some of the chemistry is off. Okay, then it's kind of cruel not to help people. But that's the other part. We got to help people. And what I want people to do first and foremost is figure out where is their sleep being bullied? Is it getting to sleep? Is it staying to sleep? Is it just not feeling refreshed during the daytime? Those right there are the three questions that I want everybody to think about. Those are the three questions I ask everybody when they walk in and sit down when they say, I want to talk to you about sleep. Because I want to know where it's coming from. And one of the things, as you've heard me say, is right, you have that busy brain. And this is one of the things out there. Sleep pills can be a Band-Aid. And we want to make sure that here, look, if somebody came into my office in agonizing pain, what do I tell them? Hey, dude, you know, do some stretches, do some breaths, you know, just relax. Oh, I need to help my fellow man, fellow woman. So let me say that there is a compassionate way to go about it. But what I do and what I would want everybody who is honestly convincing quarterly, have a conversation. And what I want people to do is understand where is their sleep disturbance coming from and start addressing it. It could be, again, your lifestyle. Or it can be something what I call physiological, meaning something in your body. Could be the sleep apnea. Could be teeth grinding and clenching. It could be restless leg syndrome. It's not only the legs, very confusing. Going from there, it could be, you know, something related to anxiety, depression, bladder issues, right? Not only the liquids, but sometimes the bladder itself um, has an issue from there. I would say that I could go on and on, but I want to find out what's going on. But here's the classic thing. And here's something that I'll tell you, it's come out and I myself have to get on uh, looking at this. The best way to help people sleep by far is something called cognitive behavioral therapy, mm. CBT. Now, let me tell you the downside. CBT has many forms. There's CBT, what we call I for insomnia. So thoughts and behavior 
and looking at that can help you address different distresses in your life, insomnia being one of them. So cognitive behavioral therapy, I for insomnia. Now wait, why have I said this, but most of us haven't heard of it. Last time I read about it, someone wrote that there's 500 people trained in the US. So 10 per state, I'm sure I'm not exactly that, but there's not enough. So there's a great credit of some places, and I believe at Stanford and the Veterans Administration, the VA, made an app that's free. Hmm. This is awesome, because before there were some great versions of it, but they all cost. And two of the best groups out there that have put their best minds onto this, CBTI Coach being an app. But don't think you're gonna download this thing and suddenly sleep that next, it's homework, and it's real work, and it's a series of weeks, for some people a series of months, but it is a training guide to help people but wait, if you have an underlying sleep problem, it's not going to address it. Like if you have sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, again, uh, a myriad of other things that could be going on in the person's um, sleep disturbance, that has to be addressed. But if those things have been ruled out and therefore someone is recommending cognitive therapy, check out this app. I mean, the people I've heard speak of it, and again, I'm a little bashful because it's been a busy few months since it came out in October, November. Um that uh, who I've talked to really raves about it. And I just love the fact that they made this available to everyone. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's a really great tip. Yeah, I'll, cool, we'll check that out. Okay, um, let's, take this, let's take this episode home. Um, first right. of all, where, where can people get in touch with you? What's the best place for them to find you if they wanna follow up or, or, or learn more about yeah. it? Yeah, so you know, right now, I, I, I've been do, meaning to do it for years and people like you that are so kind to allow me to come and speak and I do this a fair amount, um, kicking it up more. I'll get a website to get share information because when you know things, it's not for you, it's to share. I mean, so people can do that in the coming weeks and months. Um, but in the meantime, you know, I welcome people to, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, I'm starting to post some more things on other social media sites um, out there, but just look up my name and you'll, you'll see it out there. And I know I don't have the most typical name, so I know it comes across uh, perhaps a little odd, but um, I'm a little bashful, uh, but it's, it's soon to come that I'll be looking to share what things that I've been given to pay it forward. Find Parham on LinkedIn. That's cool. Okay, so if you would, please, um, this this last question is a fill-in-the-blank question, and this can be based on anything, um, anything that you know to be true. It doesn't necessarily have to be narrowly focused on sleep. Um, fill in the blank and elaborate as much as you wish, uh, if you would. Everyone would benefit from knowing. Everyone would benefit from knowing. All right, it'll be a little bit cheeky, more about sleep. Excellent. Yeah. Well, they just got they just got a they got just got their 101 course from you, Dr. Parham. Um, this has been excellent. It's given some practical tips, some ways to think about sleep. Um, this has been a really cool information. Um, thank you for joining us today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Hey, thank you for what you do, information you share. I should share it LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm on both of them. Um, and when you guys have questions and thoughts, let me know because then I can help build better information and share it or at least connect people to the great information that's out there. People like me love to share that there's so many great people doing work like this. You've highlighted a lot of people. Um, keep the conversation going, my friends. Right on. 